that would be mean the world to me. Obviously, it would say a lot about me as a person uh, after the year I had last year to come back and compete at the level I've competed at, and I I do feel like I played um, well enough to be in that conversation and to and to quite frankly be you know one of those reserves. So I think that uh, this year you know just everything is is falling into place where we are the best you know best record and you know we got a coach coaching the team you know the West team so it's all falling in line. So if it's not gonna happen this year, man, it's it's uh, that'll be tough. That's Mike Conley. His post-game comments asked about the All-Star game after the loss to the Clippers Friday in L.A. Tonight, everybody finds out, 5 o'clock on TNT, who are the NBA All-Star reserves. The starters have already been announced, and in the West, it's pretty much who you would have expected, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Jokic is the uh, third member of the front court, and Steph Curry and Luka Doncic are the backcourt. So those five are in for sure, and then the question becomes, who's in, who's out, who are the reserves? Assuming that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell make it for, uh, that'd be 6-7, Anthony Davis and Paul George, 8-9, Damian Lillard, that's 10. Now that leaves two spots, although really there's going to be a third one because there's no way AD is going to play in this game. And then the question is, will there be a fourth one? Will someone else bow out between now and the All-Star game? So, your nominees, PK. You, well, first off, do you disagree with any of those 10, or you got those 10 guys locked in? I mean, the five have to be locked in. Yeah, I, I have no problem with any of those, sure. So, yes, I guess I would agree. So, that leaves uh, the Suns don't have a rep at this point. They, the Chris, Chris Paul or Booker isn't in, on that list of 10, and they're going to get somebody in. That's going to be 11. So, a second Sun. Uh, Mike Conley. Uh, what about young guys like John Morant, Zion Williamson? I think Williamson will get some run. Ingram, if I remember correctly, made it last year. Not, I certainly don't think both guys are going to make it, but possibly one of those two. Uh, you like anybody else on a team that isn't very good but is having a good season? Shea Gilders, Alexander, Christian Not Wood. Yet. No, 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 no. So it comes down to a second son, Zion, John Morant. I think Ingram is in the discussion. And Conley and Ingram. I and mean, if you just go by points, he's averaging twenty-four points a, a game. And that, that's that's pretty good. So I think that he and he has got a little bit of a rep. Uh, so I think he would be in the mix. Uh, it's just an, a question of uh, how much do you value winning over individual stats. Conley's stats may not stack up with those guys, but the ball club is obviously winning at a much higher level. we got people weighing in on our Facebook page. You can tweet at us, David DJ James. Jake says, is it really a big discussion or are we just pushing for it and setting ourselves up for disappointment? I don't think plus-minus is the first stat they look at when choosing All-Stars. It's not probably the first stat they look at when choosing All-Stars, but it is something that they look at. And I think it is a, a big discussion, who the last couple are in the West. And his name is routinely in there, regardless of uh, which, which list, which national writer you're looking at. And he's definitely in the mix. Yeah, I don't think writers have anything to do with it. No, it'll be the coaches, and the coaches haven't heard any any comments from coaches as they pick this. 
Well, I mean, they, yeah, they don't, they fold in secret. So, I mean, I don't really care what writers say. What difference does it make? Well, it doesn't make any difference what you and I say either, but I don't think it's just us pushing right. the narrative. But you were, I, I think know, he's a you legit. Were exclusively, you've brought up writers multiple times. You didn't bring up us. You just brought up writers as well, if there he was, was some question, influence there. He was questioning us. Is it really a big discussion? Yes, I think it is. It's always a discussion. Who's going to make the all-star team? I mean, they, of course. it'll. It's always been and it always will be. Is it a big discussion? Is Conley in the mix is what he's asking? Yes. I think because so, Because there's always a discussion. Who are the last two or three spots of the all-star team going to go to? It's always a discussion at this time every year. Yes. That's why they have this big announcement. Uh, what did you say? It was on TNT tonight at 5 o'clock? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by virtue of them doing it dictates that it is a discussion. They wouldn't have it on national television and unveil the reserves if it wasn't a discussion. This is like a no-brainer. It's sunrises in the east. Yes. Bryce, I really hope Mike makes it, but I doubt it. I think the missed games hurt him. Uh, Just six, though. Yeah, and a lot of guys miss games. I mean, to miss games is uh, Paul George's... Well, he just missed six in a row, but he missed some before that. So I think he's missed about a quarter, maybe a third of their schedule. I think the bigger thing is they went 6-0 and in the games he missed. So how big of a deal is that freaking stupid plus-minus? He was zero, and they went 6-0. and He had no plus-minus in that, any of those games, and they won them all. I think that's what's hurting his cause. That'll be the strike against him. No matter how well you play, they can win without you. Yeah, and I think you have to factor in, you know, the level of competition and whatnot. But as we discussed yesterday, and I'm writing about it, uh, KSL will post it here later this morning, about I believe Joe Ingles right now is having his best season. He's a little off of statistically his best season, but all things considered, I think he's having his best season which is somewhat remarkable for someone who's been in the league and is 33 years of age. But yet, uh, Quinn Snyder had said, well, we don't put ceilings on guys. There's no reason why you can't improve. And clearly he has. So I think that's sort of working. That will work against Conley's favor. And I've got no problem with him making his all-star team. I'm just trying to analyze, well, do I think he will make it? And I'm listing pros and cons. And one of the cons is, well, this big plus-minus they went six and zero without him. So, does that take away? Is it fair? Well, I don't really get into fairness, but I do think that takes away from his all-star case. Is like, well, wait a second here. They're six and zero without you. So your plus-minus had no bearing on it, and they didn't lose a game. Got a lot of negativity here, PK Tyson. Don't see it. Nancy, probably not. Alex, unfortunately not. Michael, no. Is that negativity or is that just a a, a realistic assessment of the situation? I don't view that as negativity. Negativity would be, are you kidding me? He has no chance, nor does he deserve it. Why are you even talking about it? That type of thing, that's negative. But... Saying that he won't make it, I don't think he will will make the team. I don't necessarily view that as negative because I don't think that he would make the team. I want him to make the team because of the very reason that he said he wants to make it. 
and I would like to see him get what he wants. If that's important to him, I want to see it. Just like when Gobert a couple years back when he cried when he didn't get it. And I know Dennis Lindsay was outraged and fine. So if somebody wants something that bad and is working for it, it doesn't really matter what it is in whatever field. I would like to see them achieve that as long as they're working for it. Now, if you just wake up and you feel like it's your birthright because your father has something or what have you or just because uh, I want it, wah, 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 no, I don't think you should get it. But if you put in the time and effort to work for it, Whatever that might be, it's a job or whatever. My sister's, uh, my niece uh, got laid off nine months ago, and she's in the career of uh, human resources and has been trying for nine months to get a job in that field. Well, this week she got a job, and she starts Monday in the field, and she's going to make more money than she made at the job that she had. All right. Who Who doesn't feel good about that, right? And especially my sister, because during these nine months, my sister was uh, underwriting my niece's health insurance. <laughs> so, uh, but the point being that, you know, she worked and worked, had this job, and because of the situation that a lot of us were in, she lost the job and was out unemployed for nine months and tried to keep up a good spirit. Everybody feels good about that, right? So it's the same thing with Conley. He's working at it, working at it, working at it, and I would like to see him get it. Well, we'll see how much they reward winning because some of the competition is obviously coming from teams who are uh, struggling to make the playoffs, even the expanded playoffs, you know, with the Pelicans and and the Grizzlies. Yeah, and and, uh, Moran has missed some games too, hasn't he? Because it wasn't – I know Jaron Jackson's been out for a good long while. Moran missed a significant chunk as well. Yeah, so I wouldn't put him in the – discussion right now because of the games that he's missed Uh, i like some of the other to me uh, you know williamson the league has promoted williamson it seems like from a national tv perspective we are force-fed him yeah yeah we really are yeah as if he's some superstar now i got it his size and all uh, dictates that it's an unusual situation but i just don't see them as a good team They could be shut out because of that, but also, you know, is he a young guy and the league wants to promote him? And because you have a mix here, you got the coaches picking the reserves, but then you've got the commissioner naming replacements. And I think we might as well look at the West as this is a 13 man roster because AD isn't going to play. So they'll announce the reserves tonight, and then I assume in another day or two at the most, then I would think we'd start to hear about a replacement for AD. Oh, that's so, a given. You might even hear it at the time. It could. I mean, they, they could do that because I no assume they'll, he's not playing. I assume they'll roll it out because, you know, another day of publicity, keep the NBA in the headlines, yada, yada. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're the marketing dude, not me. I don't ever remember them naming replacements the night of. Doesn't mean they couldn't, though. You're right. They could. <laughs> they, they literally could say, there they are, and one more name because AD isn't playing. I mean, they could do it. Well, yeah, I remember the, the Lakers have already announced that he's down, so why not? But if they don't, 
and they want to soak it and add more speculation for a day or two. And if you think that's a good reason marketing-wise, so be it. And fine, whatever. You have that right to do it. But I, I sort of think that it's going to come down to Chris Paul or Conley. And I think that the my guess, it's just a guess, that Paul will get the nod. And then Mike will be left waiting for the replacement announcement. It's not yeah, going to be yeah. a second Denver Nugget, right? Murray's not going to make oh, it. Oh, I don't see it. No, I don't yeah. see it at all. I mean, they're, they're 16 they're and 15. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly, obviously, Jokic is a... He's starting, so that's a done deal. Yes, no one's going to argue that. And the fact that he's starting, to me, is a little bit better than coming off the bench, obviously. So you got your guy. Everybody recognizes him. I think most people look at him as a top 10 player in the league. Right, and so they're not winning to the level we thought, but sure, him, and then you don't really have a claim. You're a, you've got a starter, and your team isn't that good, so you don't have a claim. So away you go there, and so that pretty much puts an end to any of that discussion. So as we run this whole list of names, uh, if you're rewarding winning, the one playoff team that wouldn't have a representative is the Spurs, who are sitting in sixth place in the West right now. Every other playoff team would have one, and we've already conceded the top three teams are going to have two, and so we're discussing whether the fourth-place team, the Suns, is going to get a second, or the first-place Jazz will get a third. Well, I think you would go with DeRozan if you want to go in that line of thinking. That wait a second here. They're, they're they're a decent team, you know. Right now, the the Spurs, they're sort of in no man's land. They haven't bottomed out by any stretch, but they're not where they were, and they're decent. And so, do you reward uh, a team that is decent? And and to me, DeRozan is the guy. So if you make a case for him. Okay, and I think he's missed like five games or so, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I don't. Maybe, I don't. Well, six. I don't think you get penalized for missing five or six games. You know, with I don't uh, think you should. Yeah, with Conley with and DeRozan, I I don't think that's the determining factor. Uh, John Morant's played nineteen games. Well, when so that's more along the lines of ten. Right. So, so. they're they're sitting on. Uh, let's see, they've played twenty seven. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty thin line. Like, five and six is okay, and eight isn't. Uh, you know, they're hurt by the fact that as a team, they didn't play some games. You know, there have been a couple teams here we've seen get shut down for a while. So they're sitting on 27 games, whereas the Jazz have played 31, and the Clippers and Lakers have played 32. I just don't think they've won enough, too. Well, that's, I mean, they're sitting in 10th spot right now. And so I say playoff teams, I'm thinking the traditional eight, right? I got you. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Spurs are six, and we got this new formula for seven, eight, nine, ten. And the Grizzlies well, are 10, matter. and the Pelicans are 11 right now. So, you know, it's, so when you discuss Zion and you discuss uh, Ingram, you know, do you really want to be awarding the 11th place team? Uh, I wouldn't. I right. would let them win. I'd let them wait. They're still young. For Williamson, you know, last year was like a he was a part time player, right? It seemed like every time he turned around, they were sitting him, and if they played him, then they took him out, and he sat. So I would let him wait a little bit more. Too soon. 
So if you shut out that reward, if you shut out the Grizzlies and the Pelicans because they have losing records right now, they're both under five hundred. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If DeRozan doesn't get in for the Spurs, and assuming Denver's only getting one, that Jamal Murray isn't getting in, then then Conley and the second son, um, you know, you can have Booker and Paul give all of the top four to, and you can give the Jazz a third, and you'd be at thirteen guys. And you're going to be at 13 guys because AD isn't going to play. Yeah. So it's come at that point. If we're right about all these other things, then the question is: Do you get named tonight? Is it one of the 12? Do they name the 13th tonight, or do they name the 13th? You know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. So when you figure it out that way, then Conley's odds look pretty good. He won't fall to 14th on this list. As a, as a replacement, I always thought his, his chances were decent as a replacement. But as the 12, no. As a replacement, yes. And the funny thing is we have completely and totally ignored Jordan Clarkson. And I think he should be in the discussion. I agree with Barkley to an extent. That Clark, because I can make a case that Clarkson is more valuable to the Jazz than Conley. And I don't have to, and I love to argue. <laughs> Particularly, I love to argue when the odds are against me because it's a bigger challenge. <laughs> right? And I don't think that it's that big of a challenge to argue that Clarkson is more valuable to the Jazz success. It may be splitting hairs. And in the end, it doesn't matter because the Jazz success is just that, the Jazz success, and they're all valuable to each other. But if you're looking at an individual for the all-star, I don't even really like making the argument because it goes against the team concept of who gets credit, and the credit is shared by everyone. That's what it's when you have everyone – not worrying about the credit and who gets it, that's when you got something special that they figure out how to go and that's that get caught up in uh, Brady Belichick, Shaq Kobe, you know, well on and on. No, it's just the Lakers' success. It's the Patriots' success. That's what matters the most. And that's what they have by all accounts of what they've told us. This is what matters. And this is what they're speaking about. So it goes against basically the whole structure of the team <laughs> everything to start every, yeah. everything Quinn Snyder has been right. preaching for the last seven years and it does from a it's basketball so... standpoint make me a little queasy to even discuss it but nevertheless yeah. <sighs> if we do I can make a case that Clarkson is at least as valuable certainly I can make a case at least as valuable as as Mike would the jazz have gone six and0 without Clarkson I hope we never find out. Well, Clarkson averaging 18 points a game off the bench is going to raise eyebrows. Now, the argument for Conley is, well, he's averaging 16 and a half points and five and a half assists a game. You know, and that plus oh, minus. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Clarkson's assists have actually ticked up a little bit. He's worth a couple assists a game now. Is he? I, 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 I guess if you count, uh, no, he is. he's literally averaging two point one assists. So yes, well, yeah, I know, but I think uh, I think half of those are when he passes it to himself. <laughs> Bada bing. <laughs> Even in last night's game, we saw him get into the paint, and it was really congested. 
and you know the whole eyes out. That's it. that cliche. You ha- it hasn't bothered you yet, but it seems to me it's only a matter of time. I was thinking about the <laughs> keep your eyes out. You can't get in the paint and just look at the rim. Know where your teammates are. Look how many bodies are in the paint. Somebody's open. So they get okay, some of those sure. corner threes off Clarkson driving and passing it back out for a three. And I think that's inherent to team success that they know where guys are. On, when Niang is in the game, hey, are his feet set and are, is he open? Because if he is, i got to get him the ball because there's a good chance he's going to go in. And so that's, that's the whole team concept. So it really goes against the grain of what basketball is about. And I'm, I'm not a big statistics guy. The statistics – I was – my basketball, I was raised on magic. Let's just call it like it is. And that was about winning. And if Magic wanted to average 30, he could average 30. But he didn't care about averaging 30. He cared about winning. So, And they won. They won a whole heck of a lot. And I was there for just about all of it. Not all of it, but just about all of it. And to me, it's about winning. So I'm really – I don't even like making the discussion who's better, who's not. But I did notice in the 15, 20 minutes we discussed this, we never even brought up Clarkson's name. We didn't. And I think his name should be mentioned. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We can run all this past Andy Bailey. Covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Talk to him about the Jazz and the Lakers tomorrow night and the All-Star picks tonight. Andy Bailey's coming up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Here's the deal. They are a whiny group. Every year, it's something with Boise. I don't like the fact that Utah State didn't back you up, come out, just play lights out blow out Boise State a couple of times. Like this one's for Scott. <laughs> yeah. Like put SG on the jersey somewhere. You come out of the tunnel blowing the conch shell running in front of everybody and run over to the booth while everybody spreads out on the court. Like that's my vision. And then they just blow Boise State out yeah. and then all of you leave together like that's what you get for being whiny. Instead they lost. Both games. Now you got Greg Rubel who's making fun of you. <laughs> you, got, you got the Boise State SID that's like what happened to him? It's what you get from saying we're whiners. So Boise takes a bit of a lead in the to the conference crown with that win last night, right? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Andy Bailey. Covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's been on the show several times, and he joins us again right now. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Want to go big picture with you on the Jazz. Obviously, there has been a lot of winning going on. But the Clippers are full strength, the Jazz are full strength, and the Clippers win. Now, you can win before that and you can win after that. Do you write that off as just, hey, one game and you can't win them all, and they have nearly won them all for a couple months now? Or do you look at it and think they are way better than 25 teams in this league and they're hammering them? But at the top of the league, there's some problems for the Jazz. What do you think? Well, um, maybe I come down somewhere in the middle on that. I, I think that you could pick just about any team in the league and say they're going to have problems with the top tier. I think you could probably say that about the Clippers, uh, the Lakers, the the Nets. Um, the fact that I, you know, I think Utah is in that tier now. I, I think they can give the Clippers a run for their money in a seven-game series. I think they can give the Lakers a run for their money 
in a seven game series. Uh, they don't they don't have the top end, you know, super duper star talent like the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George and the Lakers have AD and LeBron. Um, but Utah, I think, may be the deepest team um, of that, you know, top tier, or at least the team that works the best together. Maybe not the deepest in terms of talent, but all the pieces just fit so well with Utah. Everybody knows their role so well. Um, they've been drawing a lot of comparisons to teams like the 04 Pistons and the 2014 Spurs. Um, this morning, I kind of thought maybe they're a little bit like that Orlando Magic team that made it to the finals with Dwight Howard surrounded by a bunch of shooters. Um, I just I think they're built so well, and, and I would probably pick the Lakers or the Clippers uh, in a seven-game series, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz beat them. They lost that game to the Clippers, like you said, when both teams were full strength. Um, but, I, you know, it was on the road. Not that that's as big of a deal this season with no fans, but it's, it's still something. They shot the ball a little bit worse than they typically do. I, I think they could have come away with that from that game with a win. How do you think three-point shooting plays out in the postseason? I think it's going to be about as prevalent as it is in the regular season. I know everybody says the game slows down and, you got to be able to do different things, and I think that's probably true. But I, I think the game has trended so much towards three-pointers in just the last two or three years um, that it's it's going to be a huge part of every game in the postseason, too. The three-point attempt rate just continues to skyrocket. I mean, how, how many did the Jazz take last night? Close to 60, something like that. Um and I really don't think there's going to be as big of an adjustment in the postseason uh, as there has been in years past. It is just so much a part of today's uh, NBA basketball that I, I don't think there's going to be a, a major adjustment in the postseason. I feel like when the Jazz play, if a team isn't really physically gifted, they can break them down. If the team isn't really mentally disciplined, they can break them down. But can a physically gifted team that's got a lot of, and the Clippers are a good example of this, a lot of guys who can defend the perimeter, they're athletic, they're long, they got some size, all that stuff, and they really stick to the game plan and execute it. Can they take away Gobert's dunks, and can they take away the three-point shot and force the Jazz to shoot, you know, Conley and Mitchell to shoot a bunch of floaters and 10 and 12 foot pull-ups because it seems like that's kind of the the best case scenario for defending the Jazz but can someone really do that consistently yeah I think you mentioned a team that can do that uh, in the Clippers I I think the Lakers at full strength certainly have some some gifted uh, defenders that'll make things difficult for them I, I think the question is can they do it four out of seven games um the way the Jazz are built with so many good shooters and so many good volume shooters, um, and then, you know, it may happen. We saw this with the Rockets a few years ago when they went one for 27 or whatever it was um, in the postseason. You, you can have games like that when you're, you know, heavily reliant on the three. But it's hard for me to imagine with how well the Jazz have shot for the first 30 games of the season or however many it's been, for them to just go ice cold for four out of seven games. Um, now can, can a team like the Clippers or Lakers hold them to, you know, just a little bit below the level that they've been at? Um, you know, I think that's certainly possible. And then the other problem of course, is going to be defending those guys. Um, I, I think that's where the jazz might actually, and, and you know, they've got a great defense this season. I think last I checked, they were tied for first. I actually haven't checked it this morning. Um, but in the postseason, when you've got a smaller backcourt, like 
Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson when he's in there can can you defend some of these teams with superstars on the perimeter? I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so again, I, I would likely pick the Clippers or the Lakers if it, if it came down to it and these teams meet in the postseason. But I think the, the Jazz absolutely have a, a puncher's chance. Um, <laughs> just popped into my head, but I watched that UFC fight on Saturday night with. Um, Lewis, Derek Lewis, and, and he has that huge uppercut that can end a fight at any minute, and I think the Jazz kind of have that with their three-point shooting. I mean, if they get hot for five or six minutes, they run away from teams this season. They did it last night against the Hornets. They've done it a bunch of times. They can kind of play even with teams for two and a half, three quarters, and then they go on a stretch where they just light the nets up for four or five minutes, and all of a sudden the game's over. And I, I think they have knockout power uh, this season that they haven't had before. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. The big thing is that the answer or the question that needs to be answered is can they do it in the postseason when there's more pressure, more defensive intensity, blah, blah, blah. And and I think that's a valid question because this is somewhat of a new group. You know, I realize they're they're in their second year, but really as far as operating uh, to capacity, this is just their first year because Conley had that – time to adjust and they brought favors back and all that stuff but it's not like okay that might be a legitimate question but it's not like the other teams and we look at the lakers and clippers at the top of the list it's not like they don't have questions either and i'll go and i'll go with you for the clippers because to me you know they've made a fair amount of changes too plus how much do you buy in the repeated failures of paul george it's not like he's been mr clutch in the postseason himself yeah, I mean, if we're going to bring up, and, and I agree with you, I think it is valid for, for people to wonder what Utah will do in the playoffs. Um, you know, we've seen them have big hot streaks in the, the regular season before. They had one last season. Um, so it's it's valid, but you're absolutely right that there are questions about all these teams. I, I think there's as much parity in the NBA right now as we've had in quite a while. Um, there are four, five, six teams. You could probably make a decent argument for picking to win it all. Um, and like you said, the Clippers... Paul George has had some problems despite dubbing himself playoff P. I mean, Jazz fans, I'm sure, remember pretty clearly when Joe Ingles shut him down for a series. Um, so there are there are definitely questions there. I think Kawhi Leonard's durability, even though he's been you know healthy this season, um, you never know when he has you know some health issue pop up. I think there are questions for all these teams that there's health with Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and I'm I'm not so sure about their supporting cast after the top two. Um, the, the Nets are, are impressing me more and more every time I watch them play, but there's still questions about the defense. Um, Milwaukee's defense, I think, got a lot worse this season. Ben Simmons' shooting is going to be a problem for Philly. So we can, I think we can nitpick any of the teams that are in that top tier. Um, but it is, I, I think it's impressive that the Jazz have, have held this thing together, have built up a bunch of continuity and chemistry, and I, I think they are legitimately part of that top tier now. So when you talk about the top tier, it's easy to put the Nets and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers in that group in whatever order you want to put them. But the Suns and the standings have crept yeah. within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. And partly it's the Lakers and the Clippers having their issues and their health and all that. But, man, the Suns have been really good, winning eight out of nine. The only losses to the Nets. Do you think they belong, on, regardless of record, do you think they belong in the same tier with those other four teams? So I would probably put them maybe just just a half notch below 
that tier right now, but they, they certainly need to be paid attention to. And this is the second season in a row that Chris Paul has come to a team and, and really stabilized things. Um, you know, Phoenix already had plenty of momentum. I, I think Devin Booker's reputation changed a lot last season, and then they had the undefeated bubble. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, I think, is a little bit underrated and, and underappreciated because he came from that same draft class as Luka and Trey Young. Um, they've got good 3-and-D guys with Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. When they when they plug Chris Paul into what was already moving in the right direction, um, you know, they I, I think they're, you know, close to that tier. I'm a little hesitant still just because of the inexperience of some of those other guys. Um, but they look fantastic. Like you said, they've just been on fire lately and something that they've been doing that I just mentioned about the Jazz earlier too is just running away. They just ran away from their matchup last night. Um, and I think that's a mark of a good team. You know, Utah for years and years was a solid team that seemed to be in struggles every single game. This year they're blowing teams out. Um, and I, I think when you reach that level, um, you're starting to be onto something. You think the Lakers have to make a move? Um. I, I don't think they have to. I, if they're fully healthy, I, I still think that's probably the toughest duo in the league. Um, now, <laughs> if we want to compare trios, then we've, we've got the Nets in that mix, and maybe that's a different thing. Or pick any two of those Nets, and maybe you can go head-to-head with the Lakers. But um, LeBron and AD just fit together so well. Um, <laughs> there's still a level that LeBron goes to in the postseason that, that I just – I'm not sure anybody else can get to, which is just pretty ridiculous when you think about how long he's been doing that. Um, and I, I think there's just an element of coasting going on with the Lakers. Um, I still really like their offseason. I think all the guys they added fit pretty well. And Mark Gasol has looked um, slower and older than he did last season for sure, but, but maybe he's saving something in the tank for the playoffs too. Um, I, I think they're going to be obviously – pretty tough if i had to pick a team right now assuming everybody's healthy to make it to the finals from the west i would probably go with the lakers um you know i i I think their recent struggles have more to do with ad being out and them just kind of coasting in the regular season to be honest andy bailey joining us he covers the nba for bleacher report so LeBron says he doesn't need any more rest. There are plenty of people around the league talking about him needing more rest, and he's basically just blowing them off. So does he know best, or is he not aware of advancing age and he's got a blind spot? Uh, Because we have seen teams where we know they're really good, but they've just looked exhausted in the postseason. And multiple postseason runs and playing a lot of minutes, it seems like that's what will eventually get LeBron assuming he isn't going to, you know, be the first person to beat Father Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's probably got the best record against Father Time so far, and, and we haven't seen him slow down in the playoffs to this point in his career. And I keep thinking there's got to be a point at some time when he'll slow down. Um, but I, I guess the answer to the question is I would just default to he knows. I mean, he's people have talked for years and years about how much uh, time and effort he's put into maintenance of his body and recovery and things like that. Um, and a couple of years ago he did. And, and I think at one time with the Cavs too, he did take a little bit of a break. Um, so I, <laughs> I think if it gets to a point where he feels like he needs some recovery time, I would guess he'll 
probably take it. Now, I, I still think the concern is fair and valid, especially, you know, we've, we've heard some rumblings about the second half of the schedule that's about to be released. Um, and, and stuff like five games and seven nights is, is going to be on this schedule. And, and maybe um, with the NBA trying to do everything it can to pack those 72 games in, maybe then it becomes taxing for a guy like LeBron and an older team like the Lakers, and, and you lead into the postseason with a, uh, a rigorous schedule like that, maybe they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, and I would say they get a little bit of a, of a reprieve in the first round, but I, who knows? I mean, if they if they go into the playoffs as the three or four seed um, and have to play <laughs> some other team from the West that's well above 500, um, fatigue could very much be a factor for them. So you say that you like the Lakers if you had to pick right now. Are you going with Brooklyn if you had to pick right now in the other bracket? I think so. Um, There's just so much offensive firepower at the top. And I think what's different about Brooklyn, um, and I think we could say the same thing about the Warriors a few years ago, we've seen a lot of super teams come together over the years, and it takes a year or two to, to work things out. I mean, that was certainly true of the Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and um, that they never worked things out with the Lakers when they had Kobe and Nash and Dwight Howard. But I, I think the fact that when James Harden went to the Nets, he was so willing to defer from, from basically the moment he got there sort of alleviated all those problems. Um, and I, I feel like I saw a similar thing with Stephen Curry when Kevin Durant went there. Um, James Harden is a guy who was an MVP a few years ago. He's He's been <laughs> told he can literally do whatever he wants in Houston, and he did for – four or five years and for him to go from that to a guy who's really willing to to be a ball mover first with Brooklyn I think helps them a lot um I'm not ready to count the Sixers out yet I I think the leader in the clubhouse right now for um MVP is Joel Embiid and I think the fact that they've surrounded him with some great shooters and, and Danny Green and Seth Curry makes them pretty dangerous but like I mentioned earlier I mean teams have figured out a way to play Ben Simmons in the postseason so They've got questions um, that are maybe a bit more pressing than Brooklyn, so I'd, I'd probably go with the Nets right now. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Uh, is Mike Conley going to be an all-star? I would sure love it uh, if he was. I, I think his candidacy has obviously taken a hit in the last couple of weeks, the time off with the injury, and then he hasn't been, you know, at least from my vantage point, quite as impactful since he returned. Um but he's, he's still one of the plus-minus leaders in the league right now, and I, I probably need to check this again. He may still be number one. Um, he doesn't have the gaudy numbers that some other players are putting up in this you know, offense-heavy era of the NBA, but his leadership is clearly a part of Utah taking off the way that it has. Um, you know, The last time I, I took a deep look at the All-Stars, I actually picked Conley over Donovan Mitchell. Um, if Utah keeps winning the way it does, maybe maybe they're one of those teams that deserves three. Um, we remember just a few years ago when the Hawks got five. I mean, it's a, it's a different deal now because there's obviously a ton of talent in the West. But I, I think Conley has a very strong argument to make the All-Star game. He's an integral part of the best team in the league right now. Um, really the engineer on offense. I know Donovan Mitchell you know, controls a bunch of possessions and Joe Ingles controls a bunch of possessions, but... Conley has very much been a stabilizing force for this team, and, and like you said, it's it's kind of what they expected they would get last season. This is this is sort of the realization of that trade happening right now. 
Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again later this season. Thanks for having me, fellas. Andy Bailey, you can read him at Bleacher Report covering the NBA. DJ and PK, we'll take a break. A lot of you reacting on Twitter to this. You can hit us up. Use the, uh, use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. Y'all can get the audio and get it on the air. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Who is more important to the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? It's tough. It's a coin flip, and they both do different things for that team, which is great for the Jazz. You can make an argument both ways, but this might be the year where you give Rudy a bit of the edge. I think Gobert has been like a top-five MVP guy this year. He's been unbelievable. Not just the usual defensive stuff, but screen setting, creating space for his guys to operate with those big screens, rolling off them. Just the little things that often don't show up on the statue. Every time I'm watching Jazz games, like he's doing something that's impactful on the offensive end. He's doing a little bit of everything out there, and it's really powered this Jazz start. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, we just heard from Andy Bailey covering the NBA for Bleacher Report. PK, you were asking him a few questions you've been thinking about, big-picture questions on the league. Help you bring anything into focus? Did he channel something you've been debating? Because some of the stuff we've talked about over time, and I know people can't hear every segment. There's literally like three of us who get to hear every segment. And I know this is stuff you've been, you've been chewing on for a while. Yeah, and Quinn Snyder's one of those three, obviously. Listening to every show. Yeah, segment. I got it. I got it. Thank you. I think Yach hears a little more of the show than Quinn. He has to podcast it every so often. Oh, okay. Uh, For his long commute. <laughs> there's a thing about this three-point shooting with the Jazz, and can it be sustainable? You know, I asked Andy about, you know, do you – basically that was the essence of my question. Well, I think the Jazz, you know, the, uh, the whole uh, cliche of, uh, you, you know, you dance with who brung you type deal you know because you you hear that in all forms of postseason do you make changes uh in the moment and you know the theory the cliche you you dance with who brung you so the point being that the jazz are going to rely on the three-point shooting for the rest of the season no doubt about it and that they also should rely on it in the postseason you don't want to change up dramatically now then the question be okay they're going to do that right we're pretty sure that they're going to do that so we we've eliminated the discussion of do you change it up no you do what you do now can it sustain them to allow them to win each individual series will just go four Obviously, you got to get to four first. That's the whole goal. Nothing else matters. Just get to four first. And you get to four first, you advance, and then you start over again. So can it be something that they can rely on as a winning formula? They will rely on it in the postseason. I think we've already answered that question. But can they rely on it to be a winning formula that will allow them in each of these individual series to get those necessary and required four wins? And we're going to find out. I think they can. That doesn't mean they're going to win the title. But I think that they, they certainly they have to go along that way. And 
will it be something that can sustain them? I think it can. I'm not sure. I don't say overwhelmingly like I say, well, yes, they're going to take those threes in the postseason. I say that extremely confidently. Will they fall to the level, not to the level of last night, that's off the chart, as you said earlier, but can it be allow, Can it be to the level that allows them to win the four games? I think so. Well, that question, can it be to the level that allows them to win the four games, there's obviously multiple things going on at the same time, and so in which situation does it work? You know, there's the stretch. Do they have the stretches in the playoffs that Andy was just talking about? Where they, you're you're trading hoops with them for a while. You're battling back and forth. You both have your six, eight, ten point runs or whatever. But then the Jazz just unleash a series of shots and just swamp you, and it, and the lead just goes to twenty. You know, and we talk about NBA leads going away all the time. But when a lead gets to twenty, that's a pretty healthy lead. And so in half. early in the especially in the second half, yes. So. In an early round, a first round, maybe even a second round, how much of that do we see? Does it look that much like the regular season? Now you get deeper, depending on who they face in the second round, certainly if they were in a conference final, are they able to do that? Or does it come down to what I think will that seems to me more likely than what would be harder is you're trading hoops with LeBron or Kawhi in a Western Conference final and you've got to make one or two big threes in the final minute. That, to me, is a different challenge. And to me, I think that's a harder challenge, and it's harder right now to sit here and say that's going to happen. As opposed to, at some point in the game, they're going to hit five out of six, and they're going to go on a massive run. Now, if you're down 10 when that happens, and you go up 10, you know, you're up 10 on LeBron, but there's six minutes left in the third quarter— well, <laughs> nobody's turning off the TV and declaring victory. We all know that still hangs in the balance. And then there's another thing hanging out there, and I don't even know if we'll get to this. But Locke brought this up on Twitter, and Andy just brought it up. And I think if you watched any of their games, it may have occurred to you, when the Nets have their guys, do they have so much firepower that even if you go on a run and you hit f- five threes on six possessions— do you not really drop a run on the Nets because they're so good at scoring that even if you score 15 or 17 points in six possessions, it's really only a 17 to 10 run. And you haven't, maybe you were down three and now you're up four and it hasn't really changed that much. And it was the best thing you did because they've got so much offense themselves. To me, each one of those is a different challenge. And it comes down to, I mean, you love pressure, but you quote Shaw all the time. It isn't real. And yet we know it impacts people, right? Majerus said a long time ago, it's, it's harder to shoot free throws when your butt cheeks are tight, which <laughs> is hard to argue. We, how many times do we see someone go to the free throw line late in the game and go one for two? I mean, great, you got a point. That's better than missing them both, but it leaves the door open when a team's coming down and hitting a three at the other end. Westbrook and LeBron did that last night. Both of them in the final seconds of regulation. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the Nets. the The Nets are the NBA Finals. Yeah. If I got to the NBA Finals, I got to the promised land. Then I'll worry. To me, it's if I'm worried about the Nets, then I'm in a great spot. That's true. But when they get there, if they get there, 
if they get there, when they get there, Jazz fans are going to want to know. What are you, what are you going to do in the fourth year of your retirement? <laughs> if I get there, when I get there. <laughs> that is so far in the distance. Why even think about that? Because it could happen. They're that good. It could happen. And, and they could get beat in the second round. And you can get run over yeah. by a truck tomorrow. Absolutely. And all this yes. worrying about what you would do against the Nets. Yep. I forget about the Nets. And but the, people the, the want Nets are irrelevant. The, no, the they're ship. not thinking about the Nets. The they're not, but they're not thinking about the Nets. Because you don't even know the Nets are going to be there. You just anointed the Nets a place that they haven't earned. That's ridiculous to talk about the Nets. It is I can anointing talk about something Philadelphia they, just as much. It is anointing something they haven't earned because it's February and nobody's earned any of that yet. I was about to say nobody's earned June yet, but then I realized it could be July. Whatever it is, nobody's earned the finals yet. It's February. But that doesn't stop Jazz fans from wondering. Oh, I don't think anybody's worrying about I'm, the Nets. One Jazz fan, tell me, are the Nets on your mind right now? 100% no. Hit us up! Let's go. I feel it. It's the poll coming on, people. We'll get to it next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.